I think this should be a educational moment for all of us, shall it? This is uh, as I tell this story of what I'm doing for the audio-only folks. Is this ASMR? Does this count as ASMR? For Okay, so champagne, sparkling wine, not always champagne. This is a... Uh, this is from France. It is produced by Champagne, so this can technically be called Champagne. A lot of people, uh, I don't know, does Christine do that? Anna does that all the time. She'll call it Champagne when it's not really Champagne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's from a specific wine region, and they they did that so that people would not hijack the brand because people in California or insert country was using the brand uh, for other things. So most... Foil goat comes off for everyone that's listening, and then you twist the cage seven times. Once you twist it seven times, some people like to leave the cage on. I should probably leave it on because this is old. Is this going to come off? This is when I spill on myself on air. Oh, my goodness. It should sound like a French woman's fart, just like that. <laughs> uh, so the story behind this bottle, it's a 2006 Moet and Chandon, Champagne. Um, this was brought to us by Dazfi. Funny enough, he came over for dinner. I requested that everybody bring some wine. He brought this because he's just insane and does enough uh, <laughs> uh, restaurant events where he would get something like this. And this is from a charity event, I want to say. Did you notice that etching on the bottle? Catalyst Funds 10th Anniversary. Celebrating 10 years. This is for you, my sir. Little little clink, shall we? Cheers. Thanks for helping out. Thanks to all of you. This is today's beverage. Today's beverage, episode 100, is a 2006 champagne. Mm. Thoughts? It's pretty good. For being older than... Were you still in high school? No, I hadn't graduated high school yet. Freshman in high school. Man, it's crazy to think about. So this episode is is not scripted. This is very off the cuff. This is just you and I hanging out. And most of you, some of you were very uh, kind to submit some voice messages that I would definitely want to include. This is a thank you episode. This is uh, me taking probably three weeks off, three weeks to four weeks off of uploading anything. No podcasts, no YouTube videos. The last video that I got uploaded was this place called Angler, which was super fun to shoot. Um, but I think it's important as you hit certain milestones time-wise. This is not a, we hit 100,000 downloads per episode kind of a milestone, and I want to take a step back. This is like, okay, I've done this every week for two years. What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? What do I want to adjust going forward? I think it's important to... Keep in mind consistency and not waver because then that makes it so that I'm jumping it all over the place at all times and I never allow things to improve. But also um, acknowledging that like if you get too caught in your ways that nothing changes. And that's what they say, right? If nothing changes, nothing changes. So um, I want to say a massive thank you to everybody that's been listening forever uh, or just joined. I think it's crazy to be able to put my thoughts out like this to have an audio only expression of um, basically what I see as my opportunity to share my thoughts on what's happening with the industry. And I know it's it's crazy to, to think about that people have different styles of episodes that they like and ones that they don't like. Like some people like the industry news because they like to see me get into it and other people I can tell in the analytics, only listen to the interview shows. And I love that I can offer different things to different uh, groups of people. And that's what I said in the original. Maybe we can play that. Maybe we can download the original, the first Emulsion podcast episode. Let's insert that right now into the edit somehow where. Um... All right. Looks like that's working. Perfect. Start there. And I think that means we're live. Hopefully the Facebook connection stays a little bit more solid this time. So I'm excited and I want to introduce you to this new project that you're listening to now that I've cleverly named the Emulsion for various reasons. So basically the live industry news show thing chat uh, didn't really roll off the tongue so nicely. Uh, that's number one. Number two is basically 
an emulsion, when I was thinking about a name for the show, um, an emulsion is one of those things that pretty much took me forever how to learn how to make. I mean, I, like, I seriously couldn't make a mayonnaise until I was in my second year of culinary school. And then after that, when I went to Lisfaka, I had to learn how to make a hollandaise without a double boiler, which is basically the opposite of how they teach you how to do in school. So it's basically a reminder to myself that I always have more to learn, and this is my way of sharing my thoughts and perspectives while I do that in a way that's hopefully bringing a little bit of value to you as well, gives you some, gives you some, uh, uh, some facts, some stories. Uh, and number three, um, the, what is the definition of an emulsion? It's basically bringing two things together that normally don't mix, right? Well, I mean, that's more or less of what I'm trying, and maybe this comes out like a perfect sauce, and maybe it splits, but at least I'll have learned from it. I basically say I don't know what's going to happen with this. It's going to, it's either, it's it's oil and water mixing is what an emulsion is, right? And so I didn't know if it was going to work, and it was going to break and split, or it's going to turn into one of the most luxurious and beautiful things that you can put into your mouth. Um and so I'm very, very grateful to everyone that's allowed the experimentation. I was so nervous switching from Facebook Live to, I think I did YouTube Live for a while, just like where I would record them. And it was my discipline exercise. It was, I would do an Emulsion Podcast episode every week, no matter what, and I made it easy for myself to hit upload every single week. Um, and I didn't have to create the content because I was speaking on other people's content. The interview shows happened, they were all very remote, and I remember some of them going really, really bad, and some of them going very, very well, and being super excited and humbled to speak with some of these people. Um, but yeah, I think I just want to like talk through some of my favorite episodes and share some of your thoughts, so maybe we should start with the first um, voice message through Anchor that comes from a Joe Flannery, and the title of this voice message is Coincidence at the Grand, so let's play that. Hey listeners, got a weird story about the emulsion. So about a year ago, I was listening to the episode where Justin was talking about the food and wine best new restaurants of 2018, and he highlighted one called the Grand Cafe in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which was nearby where I lived at the time. So I went and I ate at the restaurant. I was so blown away. I asked for a stage, and believe it or not, they gave me a job. Fast forward to earlier this year, and I'm looking out into the restaurant, and who do I see but Justin himself sitting and eating at Grand Cafe. It was just kind of a weird little coincidence that the guy who informed me about the place that I now happen to be working at was in for a meal at the restaurant. So super cool that the emulsion exists. Amazing that this little part of the internet is here for all us line cooks out there to inform and educate. So very thankful that this exists. That's awesome. Uh, I remember I, I, I am so sad that I didn't get to say hi to Joe in person because I remember DMing him on Instagram and I was like, I'm going to Grand Cafe tonight. Or he saw my post of like, I posted one before I went to dinner, like the sign outside and we were messaging and I was like, Hey, come say hi out in the dining room. And I don't remember if, I don't think you did Joe. Um, I think you had just gotten off of work and then I came to sit down or like I was sitting down as you were on your way out and you weren't sure if it was okay to come say hi. Um, but yeah, I super pumped to eat at that restaurant. I'm super glad I got to make a video about that restaurant and that meal. Uh, funny enough, the gentleman who I'm cooking with next week, Spencer, who I ate with, he got a job there. And so he's only 14 and they were super excited to have him come work in the restaurant. So that's his first kitchen job job where he's like working on a regular basis. So that restaurant has a lot, has a really, really exciting place in my heart, and I had a fantastic time there, and I really hope to come back. I know that she's, um, Jamie, Jamie Malone, is doing a lot of really fantastic stuff in that city, and it's great to to see. So thank you for your message. I am always happy to connect. I know that this world gets super small as you start to get into it, and any opportunity that I can have to connect you folks with other people or even just show you that there are things that are out there. This is the podcast that I wanted to listen to in culinary school. And so I'm super grateful uh, for that. And there was one other thing that I wanted to bring up there. Oh, 
if you see me in public, come say hi, please. Like, it's not a, uh, I mean, obviously, if Anna and I are fighting or yelling at each other, then maybe don't uh, insert yourself in that way. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I'm super keen on on being accessible because I, I don't think that there's any aura of me not wanting to meet you folks. I, I, and, I, and I hope that's evident in what I try to put out into the world of being super accessible. And I love taking questions and I love saying hi. And I love interacting. Um, so I don't think there's ever a point when it's there are a few points where it's not okay but I think for the most part if you see me out at a restaurant um, I would rather get a selfie with you than not get a selfie with you um, so that's that's kind of where that is so thanks thanks Joe and congratulations okay Brooklyn Houston has a 100 takeover style message let's listen to it hey Justin I'm sending you a voice message from Scotland just to say thank you for your channel Um I'm currently a year one catering student and your uh, how-to videos and your equipment videos have definitely 100% helped me in this my first year. Um, I I hope you continue what you're doing because it's definitely, definitely helping. And thank you very much for everything you do. Um, thank you. Love it. I always get curious with those messages of equipment videos and, and how-to videos and you folks are so awesome to say that they help, but I'm always I always want to dig a little bit deeper and say how. Like how did it help? Did it give you some clarity as to like, well, I thought I had to get a knife that did this, but you showed me that it doesn't have to do that. Like or I thought that I should be thinking about uh this kind of organization, but you showed me that I have to do this kind. And so um thank you for your message and I'm I'm super happy to be able to reach people in Scotland. That's what the internet is is great for. Um but I I, I always like to hear more and that's why I I like to have more in-depth conversations with you folks sometimes where it can be more of a back and forth to hear about why because that's ultimately like if you tell me that you got value out of the certain way that I explain things then I can do more of that because I'm confident that most of us creative chef-minded food-focused people learn in different ways than other people do and so sometimes the book route doesn't work for you. And sometimes seeing it visually or hearing it audibly uh, flicks a different switch and it's easier to digest sometimes. And so that's why I make things available in different formats. And if you listen better than you see, or if you would ra- if you get more value of seeing it rather than reading it, um, there's a guy who is kind enough to reach out and say that he wants to transcribe some videos into articles. So we're going to, it's coming in written form soon. Like intermezzo style podcast episodes should be in written form. Cause I think some people learn best when reading, being able to take notes and jot all over it and like be able to revisit it as opposed to this inconvenience of where in the episode did he say this? Where if you could like highlight things or print it out even like some people might learn better that way. I'm talking to Joe behind the camera for everyone that's uh, wondering who I'm speaking with. He's my, I'm the Joe Rogan and he's the Jamie or who else, who else has that relationship? Jimmy Kimmel and Guillermo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is so good. Let's try not to finish the whole thing. All right. Um, <laughs> in Anchor, I was really frustrated on how to find the voice messages. It's in the publish button. It doesn't link to the specific episodes. And so I actually asked Ray of Line Cook Thoughts to submit again because I didn't think that he was uh, fully there so let's play his second one because it's the the edit is always better than the original uh so i have a message from ray delucci from line cook thoughts uh i was on his show for everyone that uh hasn't listened to that i actually got a few new podcast listeners from that show so i'm very grateful to ray and what he's putting out into the world so what does ray have to say Hey, Justin, it's Ray DeLucci from Mind Cook Thoughts. I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, when I started podcasting and Instagramming, it meant so much to have someone to look up to look up to, and to have someone to just talk to. And, you know, I had a lot, so many questions when I entered podcasting, and you answered them all. Uh, back before I had 1,000 followers on Instagram, back before I had 20 listeners on the podcast, you were there answering questions for me. That day when I called you, when I wasn't sure if I should continue podcasting, and you helped me get back on the horse, and you, able, you were able to inspire me through your words. So just thank you so much. 
Uh, it meant so much to meet you at EMP, and I hope we have more times where we can share a drink and just talk about the future uh, projects that we have going on in the food scene. And I just wish you the best of luck on your next 100 episodes. I know you're going to kill it. I'm so excited for the content you're going to put out. I'm so excited to see where you are in 100 episodes. Uh, thank you so much for everything you do. You have such a large voice in this industry that you don't realize, and I just wish you the best of luck in all you do. Thanks, Justin. Gave me that last one. Gave me goosebumps. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I think as I think about when I started this whole media thing, I didn't have anyone to model any of this after. There wasn't a. There isn't a chef that's doing podcast. I mean, David Chang came along, but I tweeted about it once. Where David Chang's podcast is just a vlog that he publishes in audio form only. It's not a very focused podcast. It's just David Chang sits down with this designer or this musician or this athlete. Uh, and I love that. I love that he's experimenting in that way, but um, I didn't have a clear path. And so I've had to do a lot of experimenting. And when so when someone from the industry comes to me and says, hey, I want to do this media project, I would be doing a disservice if I didn't continue to want to mentor that kind of a person. And so, Ray, when you talk about um, getting criticism or how do I publish this or like, oh, my God, I recorded this and the sound doesn't really sound that great. And do I want to put that out into the world or like I, I just got an interview with this person and I'm so nervous. What do I do to prepare? Like if I, I I'm in the firm camp that if I help you, you're going to help me. Uh, and I don't think that there's ever a instance where I want to beat anyone. Uh, I said that in my year playbook uh for this year I'm, I'm i'm trying to play an infinite game i think that if i can continue to help and mentor people it's only going to come back around in good karma or however however you believe that things happen uh and so thank you for that it really makes me feel good to know that there's another i have peers now it's crazy i i, I started feeling very alone feeling very like the only people I could relate to is other content creators who are in travel or in, I don't know, photography, creative industries. And to have someone else who is wanting to inspire the next generation of chefs is very, very uh, stimulating for me. So thanks, Ray. Um, want to continue to be inspired by you and, and have you on the podcast very, very soon in season two. Uh, Connor submitted. Connor, I, I'm always very surprised. So we have a friend named Connor Kaysen. He runs a channel called Find Me in Seattle. And yes, he does business, small business for restaurants, but like he's not in the industry. He's not a chef. And so I'm always very, he listens to the show every single week. And so I'm very, very humbled that he gives me the, <laughs> gives me the watch time and the, the air time. But also, uh, he, he, he says he learns things, which I think is kind of cool. Um, cause I always give that as an asterisk to people that, well, this is kind of an industry podcast. And like, you have a food podcast? And it's like, yes, I talk about food, but I also talk about these like greater issues at large. And so I always get a little hesitant to recommend the podcast to people who aren't in the industry because um, sometimes it can be a lot and you don't really understand what I'm talking about and, and I want it to be that way. But he listens to every single episode. So let's see what uh, Connor's got to say. It's title 100. Yo, Justin, this is Connor, a.k.a. Find Me in Seattle. For your 100th episode, I just want to say congratulations and tell you how much I appreciate you. Your consistency to deliver content across so many platforms is really a motivating factor for me to continue to create. I'm inspired by you and your entire story. I can't wait to keep cheering you on. I can't wait for this episode and all the episodes to come. Keep kicking ass. I appreciate you so much, and uh, I wish you the best. I always get intimidated by that because it's been three, three and a half weeks since I've hit publish on anything. But yeah, I Connor's a super good internet homie and, and he inspires me just as much. And I think that this is the trifecta, right, of Joe helping me, helping Connor, me helping Connor, featuring Connor. We need to do a where to eat in Seattle video. That's the plan. Where you follow Connor and I around and we basically just hook up with all our homies and get their recommendations on where to get the best ramen and where to get the best pizza. And we'll have two pizzas because one person says, no, your pizza sucks. My pizza's better. Uh, so very, very excited uh, for that. And um, yeah, thanks, Connor. Last episode, I, I, I peer pressured Spencer Dunnison into leaving this at our coaching call this morning because I was like, well... Today's the last day to submit if you don't have your voice memo in already for the Emulsion Podcast. And Spencer's a really great person who I've had the pleasure of meeting in person. And then he just completed his culinary schooling in New York and he left a message. So let's see what he's got to say. 
Hey, Justin. I just wanted to say thanks for all the content you put out. Um, I mean, it helped me decide to move into the culinary world when I was trying to figure out if that was the right path to take. And then for all of the content you've put out since and all your coaching help that has helped me find a path and stay on that path. And yeah, thanks again. Love it. Yeah, like I said, I just had a call with that guy this morning. He's back in the Pacific Northwest, which I'm very, very excited to hear about because I definitely want some chances to work with him in person after he's gotten his schooling taken care of. Uh, so that's great. And yeah, I just love the the coaching relationship that happens when you folks allow me to create a reoccurring conversation with you because that allows us to track progress and set goals and... Um, that was something that I, I, I mean, this seems like a very self-inflated episode, but it's, um, there's a lot of people who get screenshots from people that send them messages and they, they post it at the second that it gets posted. I don't think that I've published one. I have a screenshot folder on my phone that has messages that you folks send me saying thank you or showing your appreciation. And I plan on doing something for like 100,000 subscribers or 100,000 downloads or when we get to this critical mass because I, I, I want to not get addicted to the dopamine rush of sharing these like testimonials. I don't, I don't, I don't, I get enough satisfaction hearing that I've helped you and that I've had some sort of impact on you. I don't want it to be about me sharing that. And then that becomes the satisfaction. I want it to keep it very in the moment where you folks send me a thank you and I, I say thank you back. And if there's anything I can do for you, I think most of you have, have heard that feedback from me. Um, and so I don't want this to seem like me. I need, I need the acknowledgement. I, I get enough from you folks and just being able to post this kind of content gets me excited enough. Um, but yeah, thank you, my sir. Uh, very excited for your future as well. So Okay, that was all the voice messages we got. Thank you so much to everybody that posted them. I think that it's best now for us to talk about season two and what the next 100 episodes are going to look like and what the what the cadence is going to be and basically what you can expect um, because as we start to grow, as we get more listeners, as I want to become increasingly more ambitious with this show... I think it's best for me to share what's inspiring me, what I'm seeing other content creators do, where I'm like, I can cherry pick some elements of this to make the show better or more accessible or more sustainable or higher production quality, any of it. So let's talk about season two. So I'm looking to you, Joe, to prompt me on some things as as I as I think of, of different ways that we're going to change things up. But for the most part, the format is going to unapologetically kind of change. I think that I loved writing scripts. I loved the format of having 16 tabs open on my computer, reading the articles, writing down my thoughts, uh, copying and pasting the quotes. I thought that I thought that was amazing. I think what is going to bring more value to you folks is for me to have kind of like an iPad setup, Apple Pencil, screenshot the um articles highlight with the Apple Pencil what I want to quote. And then it's more or less very similar to this episode where it's kind of like an off-the-cuff um, anal- analysis of the quote uh, of the article, and then I share my thoughts afterwards. I don't think I'm at a point where I do too much hesitation on camera, and I don't think I run out of things to say, but I think that it's it's to the point now where each episode script, I think, is 5,000 words. And that's what takes most writers two to three days to write. It takes me about four days to write a script for the the Emulsion podcast now on solo episodes. And that's not sustainable, right? Like, because that's a free piece of content that I produce that lives on YouTube and podcasting for free. And I'm not taking sponsors and I'm not growing at a rate that um, facilitates that amount of time investment. And so I think that what makes more sense is for me to do the same thing that I normally do, keep track of the articles as they come. I will read them before, so I'm not reading them completely blind and fresh and you folks don't have to sit there uh, watching me read them. But then I won't spend the, I don't know, probably 15 hours of my time writing a script for it where I basically read it off. I think that there's value in me highlighting certain things that I want to talk about and then saying takeaways because it's also getting to the point where 
I'm reiterating the same things. You folks know my stand on a lot of different industry issues, and as different things come up, I think that this this platform is a great way for me to talk through my ideas and then have a conversation with you afterwards. And so I think that will keep the episode shorter as well. I think the industry episodes will be more on like the 30 to 40 minute mark. I don't think they need to be like hour long deep dives into certain things. And then where my head goes is it can almost be like I do a rundown of the headlines and that's and a solo episode of the Emulsion Podcast. I will take the suit up section out where I talk about business stuff. Uh, I will still do non-industry stories because I think that's important. And then we can use that as micro content, I think. Because as I talk about a certain industry, I can do the video on Twitter with my thoughts, link out to the article. And then Twitter should be a place where my thoughts live on certain issues. I should be tweeting more is what I'm saying. So as I get more... Um, involved with reading things and being more active on Twitter, you folks can tag me in articles. I can then immediately respond. We can get into a conversation and then that can fuel what I say in the Emulsion podcast. Um, I don't have a lot of Twitter followers right now and I'm not very active on Twitter and I'm very like sporadic with what I tweet and what I share and I think that's okay. But I think that being more of a quote unquote thought leader, whatever the hell that means on Twitter, I think will provide more value as I start to uh, change the format of these episodes. So going forward, solo podcast episodes, wanting them to be shorter, wanting them to be more digestible, wanting to chop them up a little bit more and use them as micro content on different platforms. I think there's value in an IGTV series or something on Instagram where it's like there's a one minute quickie explainer of the James Beard Awards just happened. What do you need to know kind of thing um, that provides a little bit more value than uh, me pontificating and reading things that you could probably just read. Um, but again, what we talked about earlier in this episode, me, people, people learn things in different ways. And so if you would not like to learn about the James Beard Awards because it's an article and there's value in me publishing a video that's, you know, a minute and a half long that lives on Instagram that tells you what happened with the James Beard Awards this year and why it's important. I think that's more valuable and can reach more people rather than me, making the barrier to entry a 59-minute episode where somewhere in there, uh, there's there's the news. So that's an update on solo podcast episodes. And then I think that I've started to see a theme as we get into, got into like the 70s and 80s and 90s of episodes where certain things would happen in the industry and they would basically take a large chunk of the show. They would take 25 minutes to cover. And so to me, that stands out as like, light bulb that should live as its own episode so it should say on cultural discrimination on sourcing sustainably on management or whatever and then i can pull a bunch of different articles not necessarily from this point in time as a snapshot but i can go back and i can research and i can say like oh in 2012 they published this figure and that can be kind of like a deeper dive into a certain topic as opposed to me just covering the news um and that will also give me some speed, right? Because that can live um, as a article that I continue to, uh, that can get published as an article where I talk about, well, this, I did my research on these topics and that's exactly what happened. Um, so that's that's solo episodes. If anybody has any questions or suggestions, I'm super open to your feedback, especially if you're listening on YouTube, leave me a message down in the comments. Or if you're on Twitter and you want to, or if you're not on Twitter, or you are on Twitter but you aren't following me, Justin underscore Kana, tweet at me, hashtag the emulsion. I want that to be a bigger thing in season two. I want us to uh, take advantage of that hashtag where the news lives um, for the industry. That's what you can kind of expect solo-wise, uh, shorter headline style things, deep dives in certain topics. I think that's really important. That can maybe be called an intermezzo. I'm not entirely sure what that's going to look like yet. Interview episodes. So Joe and I, I invested in a second camera, a B cam that we're going to use to mirror some other great shows that I personally watch on YouTube, a la Rich Roll, Matt Diavella, um, different people who have video focused podcasts with industry leaders, thought leaders. I'm wanting to lean into that even more now that I have a certain number of episodes under my belt and we have a nicer setup and I have someone that helps me produce the show. 
that gives us the opportunity to reach out for nicer guests so I can show someone an episode that we've done and say like that we're going to make you look good and I'm going to ask you questions that uh, are even more important to what you're doing whatever whatever that person is doing and so I want as I start to travel more and Joe will hopefully travel with me or we will have setups that are mobile and easy to set up where I can just have someone monitor that's going to be a bigger and more realistic reality for us. So very excited to bring that to you folks. Um, Wanting to lean into as I travel and spend time in different cities, I can justify the trip or do certain things as a business expense where I go out to eat at a restaurant, talk to the chef, and then have them on the podcast the next day. I think that was a great thing that I did in Chicago um, where I – it's it's like a full – encompassing taking advantage of my time kind of thing so for those of you that don't remember I interviewed Jeannie Kwan of Oriole she was the pastry chef there I made a video all about a town cutler knife and I think I made a this place called video of my meal at Oriole so that was three pieces of content in 36 hours that was like incredible use of my time that I think that video got 10,000 views and uh Jeannie's episode was great for pastry chefs, and that knife video was kind of most of your, you folks' introduction to Town Cutler, and so I want to do more of that, right? So thinking about um, as I collaborate with certain people, it's not just, hey, will you be on my podcast, one and done, kind of transactional. It's like, hey, you're opening a new restaurant, let's have you on the podcast, let me produce a video for the new restaurant, and then let me eat there and document the meal, and so then you folks get kind of like a well-rounded um insight into what this person is all about and and how I interact with certain people and then that's that feels better to me than being like slimy oh well you have a book out come on my podcast and do the same interview that you're going to do with six other people in this in this city and also like I realize that it's kind of a stretch to have people that live in New York and live in San Francisco and live in LA come to Seattle and I would love to do like a vlog of us exploring the city together and me going down to the fish market with them and and showing them around or we do a voyage dinner together and we collaborate in that way it feels I feel like I'm respecting their time more than just having them come on the show for 45 minutes um but I realize it's going to be different for different people. Some people are going to say, well, I only have two hours. Whatever you can capture with me in that time is going to be what we do. Um, so that's kind of where I'm thinking. Now, yeah, it is. It is. And so also thinking about other people, what I've seen with their podcasts as far as, I mean, Joe and I have talked a lot about does the Emulsion podcast get a secondary YouTube channel? Does do video podcasts only live on Patreon? we've been toying around with a bunch of ideas. So what I'm going to request from you folks is a little bit of a uh, permission to experiment. I, of course, want as much of this content to be free as I can, but like, I want Joe to get paid. I want to get paid as a brand and I want to grow it. Um, I, 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 it's, it's not a charity. We're creators and we're putting things out into the world I just listen. I'm I'm on my high horse about this because I listen to CEO of Patreon Jack Conti talk about all this stuff, where he talks about how he got his first million views on a video and he made $150 in ad revenue, and he's like, I spent $10,000 on this YouTube on this music video, and I I made 150 bucks from it, uh, and so. I also, as I say in all my Patreon videos, I'm super respectful and cognizant of the fact that you're probably not making that good of money as a line cook or as an entry-level Comey or whatever you are right now, and I, I want the content to be free, but as we think about ways to offer different things to people with different uh, capacities, I think what Matt Diavella has done is really fascinating, where he will do like a 30 minute, 30 to 40 minute teaser of the episode for free on YouTube. And if you want to listen to the other 30 minutes of the video, then you go to Patreon and you pay to see the rest of that content. Um, but for us, I think what we would do is we would do some sort of produced video, have that be a clip on the YouTube channel of uh, Andrea Correa from... El Noma fame on leadership. And then that's like a eight minute video that goes very deep on a certain topic and it's a snippet from the video. And then that links to the full free interview on whatever podcast episode you choose because it's also very difficult for me to 
pitch the analytics of the podcast to potential sponsors because basically what happens is the views are all over the place. Sometimes there's more on YouTube, sometimes there's more on podcasting. And so if we can push everyone to listen to audio only and get more downloads there, then if I put, uh, approach a potential sponsor, then I can say these are the amount of downloads we get, this is our plan to get more traffic, um, so just from a strategic standpoint, I think that makes a little bit more sense. I also look at the analytics on YouTube and I see that after, at the 10 minute mark, about 50% of the people that click on the video drop off. And so from that perspective, it's like, well, what's the point? <laughs> if I'm getting uh, a thousand views per episode and it's only five, it, it, by the last 10 minutes of the episode, 75% of the people have stopped watching. And so that's why I also think to myself, well, maybe the episode should be shorter. Maybe I should just lean into the headline focus stuff early. And then if there's an industry issue I want to dive deeper on, that's what I do. And so this isn't a definitive, this is what's going to happen. I just want you folks to know that I'm very much so in the experimental mindset and I want to test things. I want to see what works and see what doesn't. It's not everything is behind a paywall now. It's not, it's not about that. It's about figuring out how can we be intentional with what we're producing. And if we're going above and beyond to produce something, I think we should get paid for it. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not apologetic about that. I think that it's, it's very similar to any other business that's out there. Um, anybody could come to you and say that the iPhone should be free and it should be a, a no cost to own kind of piece of equipment, but like who's, Who's going to get paid to do that? And so uh, the other joke I make is like, how do I pay my, how do I send views to my landlord to pay my rent? You know what I mean? Like views are great, but it ultimately doesn't pay the bills. And so um, I think the moral of that story is if you want to say on what gets produced, if you want to say on how we go about doing our content, support us on Patreon and give us your two cents there because that ultimately means that you have skin in the game and you ultimately have a say in what we're able to produce because you're putting your money where your mouth is effectively. And so that's what I would ask. I know that um, I have a very lofty goal of having a thousand Patreon supporters, but that was also a lofty goal to have 10,000 YouTube subscribers and we did it. And so it's on me to make sure that the value that I provide on Patreon is more than what I'm asking for. And I don't think that that's out of the ordinary for me to, to, to do or to say or to execute. So, um, the other thing that I was going to say on, on, um, Patreon in general was that we thought, we thought, we thought long and hard about, um, what gets, where was I going to go with that? We were, what were we talking about with Patreon? Yeah, the tiers and do we have just one tier where you get all access to everything? Um, I want to be cognizant of people's financial capacity and also the fact that I give my time to a certain amount of people on Patreon. Oh, what I was going to say was I don't think that the Emulsion podcast should be sponsored by supporters on Patreon. It Or maybe it should read like that because I think that what I, what I do poorly in branding is I say that the Emulsion podcast is sponsored by Patreon supporters. Uh, no, I say that the Emulsion podcast is brought to you by, or something along those lines. And I think what that does is it makes people think that if you want to support the podcast, you go to Patreon. But in reality, by supporting me on Patreon, you're supporting the whole brand. And the podcast is just a subset of that brand. And I think that that's what I need to do a better job of articulating. And so I think the intro to the podcast, oh, that's what also, I, I think that the intro to the podcast is a waste of your time on YouTube. I love what we recorded. I love the intro to the podcast, but I think that like just getting right into it is better for the YouTube audience. And I don't think that you should have to listen to that 30 second or one minute intro every single time you listen to the podcast. Because then strategically, if we bring value up front, in on the YouTube video and then you link out and listen to the full podcast and then you'll get the intro. So you're going to hear it eventually. Um, and so I think that that's kind of where my head goes because I'm also cognizant of people don't listen to chef podcasts all that often. There aren't that many. I mean, they're growing for sure, but you should know what I'm about in my intro if you're a first time listener. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, reworking some of the podcast tiers, I think is very, very important. Uh, making sure that that's not a new email because I'm wanting to do that next. Did I cover everything that we talked we've talked about 
as far as like strategy solo episodes versus interview episodes versus deep dive style episodes. I think that there's segments of the show that I would want to lean into more and some that I just want to take away. I think the the show's gotten too clunky. I've 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 included too many segments of the show. Um I don't necessarily need to be there. And I think that's fine for me to to take things away that I don't like and if certain if a hundred of you tweet at me and say I miss blank. You should bring that back. Then, then I will. But I think that for now, my goal is to respect your time as much as possible. It's to be excited to talk about what I'm talking about because ultimately that's going to bring you the most value. If I'm excited to put it out, then I'm more likely to produce it. And that's, that's the ultimate goal, right? Okay. Getting into some emails because that was plan B. If you didn't, uh, submit a, uh, anchor message, email was plan B. So I think that the first thing we should do, do you want to Instagram story me right now? I think that's kind of fun, right? Um, so the first one is actually a question and this person was kind enough to reach out and ask me a question and, and I was selfish and didn't know how many voice messages we got on anchor. Thank, thank goodness we had quite a few. And so what I wanted to do was answer his question here. So it's from Victor Jeeve head. Hey, Justin, found your channel a few days ago. Just been gulping down your content. Amazing stuff. Uh, I just have a question which I'm interested in your thoughts about, which also might be an idea for content. How would you approach getting into the industry with niche restrictions? Say you're legitimately allergic to gluten but want to be a great pastry chef or plant-based with the ambition to be a great vegan cook slash chef. Given the restrictions, it's hard to be in the right line of work. And when staging, I have a hard time imagining you get to be picky. How would you approach learning and evolving in the industry within your own boundaries? What paths are viable from your perspective having all this experience? Have a great day. Looking forward to even more of your content. Thanks for your question, Victor. I had a episode that I did where Eater did a piece about chefs with food allergies, and it's a really interesting uh, way to think about um, working because if you're allergic to shellfish, how are you supposed to work at an oyster bar, you know? And so... What that talks about is how different people navigate different things, whether it's tasting in small capacities or asking their peers to taste for them or using more recipes that don't necessarily have these ingredients included. And so what I can share with you is, one, read that article and listen to that episode. I don't know which episode it is, but it ex- it exists. And I think what you can think about, and the, the anecdotes that I can offer is... I worked with a guy in Norway who came to work with us and he was vegetarian. And the problem with that is that we did a lot of seafood, a lot of of fish and shellfish and a little bit of of meat, protein, animal protein. And he would be very, it was difficult to get him to respond to the food because he didn't taste it. He didn't crave it. He didn't enjoy producing it. And I have a couple coaching clients who have different religions and different dietary restrictions and health issues. And so my biggest thing is to make sure that you set yourself up for success, right? I think that there's ways to navigate certain allergies where you don't have to necessarily taste things but then you limit yourself to producing those things. And so don't judge yourself if that's the, because the the worst thing you could do is say, well, I'm a vegetarian and and I'm very sorry that I don't serve protein on my menu. Because there's, we live in a time when you can sustainably be a vegan chef. You might not be able to do it in the Midwest of the US or in certain cities in Europe, but you can go to LA and you're going to thrive. But then that's the restriction that you put on yourself. You can't, you can't always have both. And Maybe if you're thinking about, do yes, I want to be a vegan chef in Australia, and I don't think that the market is great for this right now, the internet allows you to do some really fantastic things. So you might not be able to do it in the traditional way, um, but you can still totally make it happen. Um, I would I would be curious to get your thoughts more on this as far as like what your specific allergy is and where your ambition lies because that's something that I've spoken about and at exhaustion on this this channel is basically if you set your goalposts for success where others have been then you kind of have to follow their same rules you can't necessarily switch up the rules and expect to uh, uh, 
I can face ID it for you if that helps you. Uh, I don't want to say my <laughs> iPhone password on, on air right now. Anyways, I think, uh, yeah, the best, the best thing for you to think about is making sure that you're not judging yourself because that's when you can get really, really caught up is thinking that you have to follow the same path that other people have been down, but you're playing by a different set of rules. So why would you, why would you think that, that that's the, the natural way to go? I think, um, yeah, I think I've, I've talked at exhaustion about this on other podcasts. So I think that that's, uh, that's where you, and I, I think I said, oh no, I didn't say that I answered this already. I just wanted to answer it on the podcast. Thanks for your question. Scott Countryman, this is a purely shout-out email. Hi, Justin. My name is Scott Countryman. I'm a chef in Charleston, South Carolina. Anyways, I stumbled upon one of your YouTube videos and stole the cherry sauce to put on a pork loin special. Anyways, the video inspired me to get deep into my catalog of content you've put out there, and it's been truly educational and inspiring. Not to S your D or anything, but your recipes are amazing, and I can relate to your style and down-to-earth nature. The quality of the content you provide and the multiple avenues that you make it available forms a very strong bond from the consumer's perspective. That's as honest as I can be. I know, and I know you appreciate feedback. Anyways, here are a couple of pictures from the dinner I made my fiance: pan seared, skin on snapper, uh, charged balsamic veggies, quinoa, pretzel toast points because she loves bread. Keep making cool stuff. I am Chef Fish. That's uh, P H I S H eight four three on most social media platforms. Hit me up or give my restaurant the Fat Hen in Johns Island, South Carolina, a shout out. I'm one of the weakest Sues there, but busting my ass every day to get better. It didn't link the photos, dude. Maybe uh, it's okay. Uh, we send me to them later, and if I'll, I'm gonna respond right now and say, "Hey, man, the photos didn't link." Please send them again, and then I will say best, Justin. There you go. So hopefully those photos will be live and you folks can see them. Shout out to uh, Scott, and uh, yeah, I'm always super happy to... Dish of the Day is coming back. Joe and I have shot two episodes so far, and we're going to get those live very soon. They don't have recipes, but that's the nature of the show. Uh but I, it's all about the process, and I hope you folks, that shines through and you folks can see that. Um, okay, next email coming from John Somming from Sweden, and he says, Hey, Justin, I decided that I might as well share my experience I had for the first week at the former Michelin-starred restaurant I have been staging at for everyone listening to the podcast. This is a very much a story-focused email, which I love. To start, becoming a stagiaire at this restaurant wasn't hard. The head chef called me less than an hour after I had sent an email to them, and I was stunned at first, especially because I had missed his call. And I directly called back and told them what, and I was told what to bring and how to enter. Start date was first of March, a Friday. At this point, the restaurant was a Michelin-starred restaurant, one of four in my city and one of five in the entire region. Less than two weeks before my stage started, they lost that star, which I was worried this would affect my time there. I was wrong. So the day comes, I am pushing the button to the doorbell, and I am greeted by a big and burly northern Swede. There was a quick introduction between us, and he toured me through the kitchen. It wasn't a big kitchen, and there was a renovation of the kitchen next month with everything new except the stove. I quickly found out that the big and burly northern Swede is the pastry chef of this restaurant, and my I myself leaned towards that uh, myself. Uh, so I were to help him on his station during the service. There was an hour into the prep and I am using the mandolin to cut blue Congo and then punch out perfect circles to them. They were to be cooked afterwards, which went horribly wrong. They weren't cooked all at once. So while some were still raw, some were done and the majority were raw. Cue Gordon Ramsay. The head chef was cool about it, and he told me not to blame myself over it. He should have done it with me. My second task was to cut champignon mushrooms for them to be dried overnight. I was told by the pastry chef that the dried mushrooms would be for the gougere snack that is served for the tasting menu and the five-course menu. They aren't meant to be eaten, even if some guests eat them, I was told. With all this done, it was time for service. It was time to make the gougere snack, as well as putting new yellow spring flowers, which I have regrettably forgotten the names of, on a plate, and it should be with a lot of these flowers on all of these plates. Uh, these weren't made to be eaten either, and I later found out that the second plate was be- to be put on top of these flowers. In similar fashion, I was also tasked to put fresh pine twigs on the plates as well. So service began, and the gougere snack station went pretty quick. I filled the delicate gougere to the brim with a very fine duxelle, and then it went put in the oven to gain heat finely dipped in olive oil, and then a lingonberry powder. It was there to be plated on a bed of dried mushrooms. Quite simple, but it had to be perfect. That was my task. I did a lot of observing and plating at the pass before the dessert started to roll out, and that's where the pastry chef let me taste most of the components to the dishes. 
To this date, I have never chuckled just by putting ice cream in my mouth. That's how refreshing and good it was. Shutting down the kitchen was amongst the quickest I had ever seen. I had to put the pine twigs and flo- pine twigs and flowers to where they belonged. It was quick because it was rather a small kitchen, and I was on my way home before midnight, but I didn't get home until 3 in the morning. That is a great stagiaire story. Uh, That's definitely how most of us will end up starting, and I know that uh, you, John, went on to work at a two-star Michelin after this, so it all starts somewhere, and I think that uh, telling these stories is something that I don't do enough of. I frankly, I feel like I black out on most of these experiences. I mean, I feel like if I really, if you really sat me down and asked me what my experience at WD-50 was like, I could probably get into it. But yeah, it seems like this thing that's so insurmountable to work at a restaurant and to plate some of this food that you see on Instagram and then you do it and then you get this renewed confidence and sometimes you fuck up and you don't cook the blue Congos just right. Um, but it ends up being, uh, just a stepping stone on your path and you look behind you and you have this whole trail of things that you've done to get you to where you are. Um, but it has to start, it has to start with a couple of fuck ups and a lot of anxiety. Uh, but then you eventually get there. And I think that's a, thank you for sharing that story because, um, it provides confidence to people who think that it's this thing that they can never achieve. They're never going to be good enough to work at these restaurants. And it starts, it, it always starts that way. So, so thank you. Next email comes from Ali Hutton. Uh, messages emulsion takeover thank you for following my instructions uh they say congratulations on episode 100 really enjoying listening to the show and how it leaves me feeling inspired to go out and crush it from adopting hashtag total station domination and making a few tweaks along the way i'm now a head chef and ready to start a couple of side projects knife sharpening service pop-ups and a couple of apps i'm on my way to sean brock slash coutelier nola hybrid dream hq is a this person's dream HQ is a shop slash street food slash coffee downstairs, 30 seat fine dining upstairs with a lab and a bar. Is that his concept? I think they're going to work there. I think that's what they're saying because that sounds very similar to what Sean Brock has in the works. They're from Glasgow, Scotland. Second Scotland person on the show. That's fantastic. Raise a glass of single malt and wish you the best for your next 100 episodes and my future projects. Thank you so much. That really, really means a lot. I think that uh, once we get these certain principles down together, I think it's easier to relate to each other. And knowing that they're... I I was talking about this. Who was I talking about this with? I think Jade and I were talking about it, where a lot of times people want absolutes. They want things that they can hold on to as law, and like the laws of physics, that like no matter where you go, the, this thing applies. And it's very difficult to distill that sometimes in giving kitchen advice because every restaurant is different. Sometimes perfection in execution applies at a Michelin star restaurant, but if you move to a food truck or a pasta place, it's all about making sure it's fast and tasty. And so I would hate to say that making everything perfect and aesthetically pleasing is a pillar because it's contextual. Sometimes it matters, sometimes it doesn't. But when I do find these things like total station domination, I think that transcends every single kitchen environment you're in, even at your house, it it, it makes sense to have total station domination. Uh, so yeah, congratulations on your move. And I hope that it's going well. This was, uh, back in March where you sent me this, uh, message. We're in June now. It's freaking crazy that it took me that long to, uh, to execute on this, but here we are. Uh, I have another email here from Nathaniel Brown. It is, not titled, but that's okay. It's quote, I'm new to your channel and I was wondering if you have any advice for how to get to the next level. I've been a line cook for a while and I really want to get into fine dining eventually. I know I'm not at the level yet, especially having a humble experience doing a stage. Thank you for your time. So this is always a very interesting piece of advice that I get requested to give often as to how to go from Zero to one is what it feels like oftentimes for people. And I think that's okay. I think that you see these people executing with speed that you can't even fathom and juggling multiple projects and uh, being organized and cooking things that you don't even know how to cook. You'd probably think that you'd screw it up. You don't think your knife skills are fast enough. Joe and I are working on a series where we're going to be able to offer you like practicable videos that you can buy cheap ingredients for and time yourself to get faster at these things. 
But I think that's what it ultimately comes down to is what are you lacking? Are you lacking organization? I find that most people, when I probe and ask these deeper questions, it's usually you're struggling with organization, which I highly recommend you watch my prep list video on. The short of that is prioritizing your tasks and asking yourself, what am I, what am I afraid of? What am I, it, it, usually the task that you're most afraid to do is the task that requires your attention next. So that's what I would suggest first. I have a video on that. And then a lot of other times it's speed. It's, well, I don't necessarily think that I'm fast enough to do this and I'm working on that because it's a question that I get often. And aside from me telling you to take your entire prep list home and time yourself to doing it, I think you just had to time yourself at the restaurant. Like how long does it take you to do 30 portions of spinach balls? And once you're done with that, then it took me 56 minutes. What does it take to shave 10% off that time? And then you'll eventually get faster. I also have a video about how to progress, and that's usually um, you need to push yourself past your comfort zone to then come back to neutral and then feel like you're more equipped to go faster. Um, And then I guess the last piece would be enthusiasm. I think when you're really, really excited to be on a track and at a place, you're more motivated to push through the hard times. And so I always push people to find a restaurant where they're passionate about the food as opposed to being at a place where, yes, the resume might be there. Yes, the money might be there. But when you have a shitty day, what's going to bring you back uh, excited the next day? I guess I always get frustrated with these questions because I want to give more. I want to help you. But I think when you're starting off, you have to expect to kind of suck. You can't expect to be good. None of us started in that way. None of us walked in as a prodigy into the kitchen. We all had things that we struggled with, and it's different for everyone. Um, Ooh, this is a double, double, double. Um, Okay, next couple emails. Daniel J says, hey, Justin, huge fan from Ecuador. I've been following you for a while. Just wanted to thank you for making content like that. I actually learned a lot of things from you. It's truly inspiring. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Daniel. I don't have much much to say on that other than thank you, and I'm glad that you could be featured on episode 100. Next email comes from Sammy Baunock. What knife, tweezers, and book about a chef do you recommend for a young chef, 13, just getting into staging and fine dining restaurants? Also, I have already read Michael Roman's The Making of a Chef. P.S. Are you planning on coming to Baltimore, Maryland anytime soon? If you are, you should check out the restaurant Foraged Eatery. End quote. That's crazy that you also have the Sari and Sammy show at gmail.com. You should look that up and see what this 13-year-old is creating. I love how young some of you folks are getting started. I didn't get into it till I was like 16 or 17. And so to have, you know, tons more interest and experience under your belt is very, very inspiring to see. Um, I think if you check out my kit page, that's where I I list most of the gear that I recommend. I I, I like to think that that's pretty easy to find and to, to observe. The biggest thing with a knife is to make sure that you hold it in your hand first and it feels comfortable, especially, and this is no offense on your age, but you're probably growing, right? So the knife that you buy this year might be uncomfortable for you to hold next year. And so just being comfortable with the fact that your tastes are going to change as you grow and figure out what kind of knives you like to use. I have a video all about the 20% rule, which you should definitely look at and into to taste different knives and gear and and what you like and what you don't like. Um, There's a great book by Daniel Balud called Letters to a Young Chef. If you haven't read that yet, it's, it's, it's great. I'm hoping to secretly create the YouTube uh, video version or podcast version of that. I don't necessarily have like a list of principles that I can rifle off right now, but I think that if you watch my content for long enough, you will get a sense of what goes into being a chef these days. Um, and yeah, you're going to get a lot of your experience on the job. Staging in fine dining restaurants is the move. You're going to get a lot of, uh, insight into what it takes by doing that. Um, am I coming to Baltimore, Maryland? I'm going to New York next month and then I'm also going in September. So hopefully if there's an opportunity to make it down to like Baltimore DC area, I definitely want to do that. Um, but I have a feeling my time is going to be caught up in New York. So Sammy, if you have time to come up to New York, I'll definitely give a shout out on Instagram so that everybody that wants to meet up has an opportunity to, because I'm all about it. I want to meet as many of you folks in person as possible. All right, last email here. Did I go over? We have, that's right where we want to be, right? So it's from Ben Herman, and they he says, Hi, Justin, I've been watching your videos for quite some time now, and I'd like to send you a knife. 
been in the sharpening business for about six years, been making knives for about four. Recently, I've been working on a venture to mass produce the ultimate $200 chef knife. Here's a link to the Blade Forums post. Currently, I have two prototypes. Once I finalize the design, I'd love to send you send one your way for feedback and review. Thanks for taking the time to read this. Have a good one. Oh, man. I don't think this was supposed to be a uh, read to the public emulsion. Uh, this was not an emulsion podcast thing. This is a, uh, okay, let's respond right now. Please send to Justin Kana. Uh, this is also something that I wanted to uh, tell tell to you. Broadway East number 222725. Seattle, Washington, 98. 102. Best, Justin. Cool. So um, the cork board behind where I, the pegboard, I guess, where I shoot most of my videos, that's like a backdrop. I would love for some of you folks that listen this far into the podcast to have a say in what goes on that. So if you folks want to send me things, small little art tchotchkes or things that you want uh, to put up on a shelf up there, I would love to get it. And if it means something to you, then you can see it in the background of my videos. And I think that's for the people who listen this far only. I don't think that's something that I want to put as a normal YouTube video because I'll get 500 pieces of mail of junk that I don't necessarily want to put up. I hope that if we have a studio space someday that we can take advantage of that someday. But I think it's kind of cool to offer that to you folks. And it's in the description of most of my YouTube videos. If you want to send me mail, I have the address in there. Um, And that just sends to a P.O. box that I uh, pick up like once a month. So, um... I hope that has answered everything. Yep, I don't think I missed any emails. Um, I think the biggest things that I wanted to announce here is cadence. I would love for this to still be a once a week show. I think Thursdays are a really good day for us to upload, but I don't think holding us to this, I think being less perfectionistic and long form on the content is going to make it easier to hit publish. Um, And then being able to lean into the fact that every episode might be a little bit different. It's not going to be interview solo, interview solo. It's going to be whatever we think is going to provide the most value that week. I think that's going to be the best thing for us to publish. And so that's what you can look forward to in season two. The other thing with season two is I want it to be a combination of me seeking out um, more higher profile guests, ones that are a little bit harder to get on the show that can hopefully provide some more value to you folks in addition to the scrappy ones who are just getting started. And then I also want to make an effort to revisit some of the guests that I've had on the show in the past. So like me, Kim from Raised Donuts, she's been open for almost a year now. What is she dealing with? As opposed to when she was on the show, she was just getting zoning permits for her, for her donut shop. And talking about like Derek Simsick, who was on the show when it was Scout Restaurant, and he was talking about what it was like there, and now the restaurant is his. It's his restaurant called Conversation now, and what's he dealing with now? Um, and then like even the later episodes of the of season one, where I had John on the podcast when we were moving him out to Seattle, and now that he's been working here for two months, what are his thoughts and what what what's an update? So I think that especially because most of the people I have on the show now are my homies, it's a little bit easier to get them on the show again as opposed to, oh, you're not doing a book tour anymore and you can't come on the show or you're not interested in in shilling your thing on, on my show. And so that's definitely top of mind for me is getting giving you guys a follow-up interview with some of these people where, yes, you listen to an hour and a half of our conversation, what do you have as follow-up questions? And I think that's something that not a lot of other shows uh, provide or offer, and I'm very, very excited to be able to do that with with some of the interview shows going forward. Um, you need more vino, sir? I am. You're good. I'm gonna do a little bit more here as a final cheers for all of you folks. Did I miss anything? I don't think anything that we've spoken about. More micro content. More. More editing. Possibly taking sound bites and putting them on Twitter maybe Facebook, like I would love to do some Facebook ads and get some people from different countries excited about the show and sharing what, what I'm trying to do with the show. Um, yeah, more conversation on Twitter. I think it's definitely top of mind for me. Um, I don't think it's a separate YouTube channel, more Patreon stuff. I think I covered basically everything that's going through my head with, with interview shows and what you can expect for the next hundred episodes here. Um, yeah, I think Joe and I are going to finish this bottle and, uh, try to continue to be productive today. Um, yeah, we'll see about that. 
more coffee in addition to every single glass of this beautiful, beautiful 2006 champagne. Um, if anybody has any questions or anything that they want to show off or um, request as part of this grand master plan changing or suggestions you have, again, with most suggestions I request, not guaranteeing that I'm going to listen to you, but I'm open to your feedback, especially if you're a supporter on Patreon. I really, really respect your folks' opinion there. Um, and if there's anything you want to see going forward or guests you want to see, that's definitely uh, support on Patreon. Leave me a message there. That's the easiest way to make sure that you're going to get your questions answered. Um, okay. Well, I what do I say now? It's been so long. What do I uh, I say? Roll the outro, right? We did it. You're in outro land now. Thank you so much. I appreciate your ears more than you'll ever know. Hey, by making it to the end, you're the type of person that I want to speak to directly. This little production is constantly growing. If you enjoyed this episode, if you like what I'm trying to do with this show and want to make sure more people can find us, a free way to help out that takes less than three minutes is to leave The Emulsion a great review on iTunes. If you didn't enjoy this show, please also leave a review. I'm happy to take any constructive feedback you've got. If you want to learn more about supporting this show with your hard-earned cash, patreon.com slash justinkana is the place to do that. I've got tiers starting at just $1 per month. Let's say you just like being involved through suggesting stories to be covered or asking questions to my interview guests. You can stay up to date by following along on Twitter or Instagram that is linked up in the description for your convenience or always available on justinkana.com. If you're on YouTube and listening, you can take this show on the go because this is available on all podcast platforms, including Spotify. And if you prefer video versions of things like my interview shows or the shorter intermezzo episodes and you're listening audio only, please check out my YouTube channel to see more of that. Now's normally where I'd say my name is Justin Kana and I hope you have a good one, but you've probably got another podcast episode to listen to. So I'm just going to get out of the out of the way here. Excuse, excuse me. Pardon me. <laughs>